many of us. I got to thinking about this. I got to ask to do communion, and um, we all know what communion is, right? We think we do. We go through the motions. Motions are, well, you can teach motions to a giraffe. We know that in 2 Corinthians, it speaks about Jesus breaking bread with his disciples and having communion, being together. But I don't think we really know what it is because we have this this little problem, and it's called thankful selfishness. And we allow that to come into our lives, and we cultivate it for our own well-being, at least we think it is. And the way we allow that to cultivate is because we put the thankful on the selfishness side. So therefore, we make it okay. And what does it really mean? It really means it's all about me. All about my self-righteousness and who I think I am and who I think I should be and who owes me. So I walk around with the thankful selfishness attitude. And we all have our areas. But that made me start thinking. How did the disciples even get to commune with the Lord? How did they even get that far? I mean, they didn't do it overnight. It didn't happen at a snap of a finger. Something had to happen. And it certainly wasn't thankful selfishness because I think they'd still be at square one. Some of them would still be fishing. What happened was is they were steadfast. They walked steadfast. They didn't allow the thankful selfishness to tear them down. Did they have opportunity? Every day. Every single day they walk with Jesus, what did they have? They had opportunity to do what? Deny him? Dismiss him? Say, see you later? Got better things to do? And I don't really recollect how many years they walked, but it certainly wasn't an overnight excursion. It took a lot of time. It took a lot of building. And it took a lot of getting rid of themselves in order to even get to 1 Corinthians. Because I don't think they'd ever get there. And we'll never get there. We'll never get there unless we're willing to kill that. That thankful self in us. But like I said earlier, it's the thankful that we say, well, it's okay. It's bitter. It's bitter. It's sin. And a little bit here and a little bit there, like we all know, a little sleep, a little slumber. And one day, it's going to whack you right between the eyes. And I don't think 
That's the day we're looking for. We're looking for the day that we're prepared. We're looking for the day that we've, we, we, we know we've walked steadfast. We know we've walked mile after mile. It's discouraging, isn't it? How many of you have walked a lot of miles? And how many of you sit back and go, including myself, and go, you know what? I'm done. I, my feet can't go another inch. My brain can't handle any more. And we put all of these things under our head. Whatever they may be, you guys fill in your blanks. We just want to say, I'm through. So what's your reward? Well, I think if I give it up right now, my reward probably be a one-way ticket to hell. Because there's really no other alternative. You either serve the Lord or go to hell. You either serve the Lord and go to heaven. You either serve the Lord and walk steadfast every day. And know that that, 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 that holds you. And, you know, we come and we serve communion every, every month. But we can't get here if we're not willing to walk stead steadily forward with each other. Amen. Servers, come forward. Lord Jesus, Father, we just come before you today. We come before you with clean hearts to ask that we would be immersed and washed in your blood. That whatever is on our minds, whatever our thinking may be, that that would be just be cleansed by the death of you on the cross, Father. That we, we would come to understand and know you, treasure you, Lord, and that we would walk steadily in your path and with you, Father. And that, would we, that we would not be snared, Lord, by those things of the world, Father, but know that your precious Holy Spirit will keep us and take us where we need to be. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians 11-23, uh, we've read this a lot of times. It says, For I have received from the Lord that, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, in which he was betrayed, took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. In the midst of being betrayed, he was thankful. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink and drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup you will proclaim the Lord's death till he comes let us partake of his body and the blood and by the grace of God, we will do that today. However, there's another thought that is running through my head that I believe is also intricately connected to that. 
And I believe many times if we do not understand the foundation or the root or the great purpose of God, the teachings become just empty teaching. I don't believe Christ came as a great teacher to like give us some teachings. I believe he came in to be the Savior of the world and to change us into his image. Now, unless that becomes a cornerstone in our life, then we really just go on to be... I mean, we can go on to be good Pharisees. Now, I think the Pharisees, they they had an understanding of God, but it never came to the depth of really changing. And I'm going to use this word because many weeks ago, you you perhaps remember, their conscience was never changed. So their direction was still governed by their own set of moral values, their own set of right or wrong, their own set of, basically, I think what Scott was talking about, that self-righteousness, that, I thought you put that in kind of an odd way when you first said it, so what is this guy talking about? But kind of thankful selfishness. And isn't that what Jesus said? He said, there's a guy that came to pray and said, oh, thank God I'm not like that person. Jesus said, I don't know this person. And I think it's a very easy thing to do because the nature of God is so foreign to us that it's easier to become self-righteous than to serve God. It's easier to do things than to serve God. And, you know, just as I was thinking here, I I don't know, maybe Adam was talking to his children, but I heard something. Maybe, Maybe it was the Lord. I heard that, you know, we were taking the elements of communion, and I, I, I don't know if you said this or not, but I heard it. This is Jesus. Now, what's the first thing that comes into your mind? Oh, that's just the most ridiculous thing in the world. How could that be Jesus? And then I began to think of how, I mean, even Romans talks about it. But I remember, yes, God is in the birds. You can see God in the wind. God is everywhere. God is in the far. God is running around naked. And we thought this is like, oh, this is, oh, we thought this is wonderful. But when the truth would come, see, when the truth comes, the, the enemy can, comes quickly, as Jesus talks about the parable of the sower, comes quickly to snatch that out. So here Jesus says, well, now Jesus, the Son of God, the Almighty One, says, take, eat, this is my body. Oh man, I think that's just a, now, see, my mindset, and more than a mindset, like I'm going to use the word conscience because I think it's on a deeper level. Now, let me just rehearse this just a little bit. In Oswald Chambers, he says, Conscience, <coughs> excuse me, conscience is the faculty in me which attaches itself to the highest that I know and tells me what the highest I know demands that I do. Now we can, that sounds very good, that sounds very noble. It is to a point, but there is one greater than my conscience. And if I simply live by what my conscience or my moral compass says to me, I may miss God completely. What I believe the heart of God and God's purpose is, is to come into my life and change my moral compass, my uh, conscience. Because when sin came into us, our conscience was changed. Where once 
We're walking around. Adam is walking around. Everything is good. When his conscience was changed, God became evil. He began to see right from wrong, and what God had done was something to be ashamed of, not something to glorify Him about. We knew you. we were naked. We hid ourselves from you because of this is what... And so... I believe God wants to come in and change our conscience. Now, if that doesn't take place, many times we will just go through motions, but never really become discipled. And I think that's why the gospel doesn't go out into all the world. I believe that's why the church is not in unity. I believe that's why there's so many things that happen is because we do not allow God. I have a cough. To change us. Now, I'm just going to throw this in here. And like I said, some nice things come and I need to speak to them so they're in the air. I'll bring the reference. I didn't bring it because I didn't think I was going to go this way. But I read a reference in a, in a newsletter this, this morning going on to some extent that 45, and I'm not, I'll bring that to, to show you, 45% of Christians voted for Obama. And who's a, now, this, this, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just saying what this newsletter said. He's a man that believes in homosexuality. He's a man that believes in abortion. And he's a man that seems to be moving against what would be correct. And I said, why is that? And he goes on to explain that. I believe because many times our lives, we do not allow God to impact me. Then I actually live a self-centered life. Now, I hope this offends many people because I believe that the Word of God must offend me to change my point of view. See, if the Word of God does not offend, it hasn't touched me. See, Adam, when he, ran, when he hid from God, he was like offended that God would let him be naked and God gave him the woman. When the offense comes, it means that the truth of God is not yet running our life. Now, why would that be so? And again, as I'm looking at these things, see, and the devil understood this. He said, you touch a man where he lives, he'll curse you to the face and do it when he's talking about Job. Man, you do this and do that. See, now, I'm, I don't think this is, I don't think this is a new thing. I don't know, like again, in the days of Nero. Now, I am not comparing modern day presidents or something to Nero. I think, you know, I think many, I don't know how many Christians were ending up in those circuses, eating the bread in circus, having a good time, saying, man, we just got to go along. There are things that God wants to change in my conscience that say, you know what, this is what I believe. Now, in, in, now <clears throat> Paul the Apostle, he was a man of great moral stature, as touching the law, blameless, he says. Pharisee amongst Pharisees. That means he was keeping the law, a teacher of the law. He had certain moral ethics that were not only his, but he had been raised up from... That's his grandparent. His ancestors came across on the Mayflower, if you would. He said, from my forefathers we've been serving God. These truths are real. And then Jesus Christ would come into his life. Now, I want you to see what would actually compel you not to serve Jesus Christ? Well, that's ridiculous. He can't be in that bread and that wine. We always know he's in the trees. We know he's in... No, God. 
What, what actually keeps me from serving him is my moral compass or my conscience. The young rich ruler came to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus would speak to him, keep all these commandments. And for that point, he was fine. Until Jesus would speak to him an area that he could not understand, sell all that you have and give to the poor. And what happened to that man? He went away sorrowful. Now, don't know the, the end result of that, but something touched him in a way that nothing else could. His view of life and blessing and all that God would have would have to be changed in order for him to follow Jesus Christ. And many times in our life, the Lord is moving, but because we have this moral compass, like Paul, and even Peter we see. Peter actually brings it out very well. When the vision of God comes to Peter... And it's always going to come, folks. God is going to deal with us right here where we live. Peter is given a vision to eat everything. Rise, slay, and eat. And what was Peter's? He had been raised to believe that is incorrect. And even though he sees a vision, he says, I will not do that. Paul then, a man, a Pharisee among Pharisees, to eat with Gentiles was an abomination. To touch Gentiles, to, to be Gentile, to be... And what does he do? He drops that. To where actually the Jews, and actually some of the apostles were like saying, man, that guy is like, he's just gone off the deep end. Well, I think we need to be off the deep end and totally immersed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's very little, really, what I'd like to say, there's nothing of us left. But I know in this body there will be some stuff left. But my conscience is changed so that my viewpoints are no longer, or my judgments are no longer based on what I believe is correct. And I come, let's see, now Paul said, well, I'll, I'll serve Jesus, but I ain't eating with those Gentiles. And I'll serve Jesus, but I ain't eating pork. And I'll serve Jesus, but I'm not doing it. And I have, a, I have I, how many people have their limits? Does anybody have any limits here? I think you're all lying. And that's where God is going to come and say, I want those limits. See, the young rich ruler had said, I've been doing all that. Sell all the... That's my limit. I, you can't push me that far. I've got some rights here. I know I've been... I, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus who emptied himself and had no rights except for one. He said, Father, I love you and I decide to do your will. Emptied himself of all things. I believe when that working of the Holy Spirit is grasped by the church, we will see unity. We will see power. We will see the gospel preached into all the world. And we've got to see that that is a battle. No so much of a battle, but a pressure that God is pressing us towards. Now, if we don't understand that, see, the rest of Proverbs will make no sense. Because it's like, well, yeah, that's a good proverb. I think I'll keep that one. No, I don't really like that one. Yeah, counsel's a good thing, but I only listen to certain people. No, Lord change me to where these things change my conscience and say, you know what, I no longer believe that. And therefore, and not only do I not believe it, I therefore no longer walk that way. See, Paul didn't just say, well, I have some theological uh, feelings now, and I know that, uh, I, you know, a lot of the, 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 the Jewish apostles, actually all the apostles were Jewish. Did you know that? That's why the church had a very good financial base at that time. 
but all the apostles were Jewish. And when, they, when the Gentiles came in, they doctrinally understood that. But you know what? It always didn't work out real well. Peter, the apostle, his shadow was healing people. He goes to Antioch. He had a vision from God. He actually was the first one to preach to the Gentiles. But the battle of conscience is going on. He actually goes to Antioch, and when the Jews shows up, what does he do? He withdraws himself from those Gentiles and acts like he doesn't know them. You see, there's a battle that goes on. Now, we think, see, to us, we go, oh, well, that's... Because most of us are Gentiles. The word Gentiles means you're not born a Jew. Okay, or you're not Jewish. So we go, oh, we, we, we read some of these stories and go, oh, isn't that childish? Oh, come on, how could they really believe that? Well, there are things that then, as we go into the, the New Testament, where Paul is writing to the Gentiles, he's talking about some priests. They, they, they had to deal with some things. I always wondered why it says, the elder must be husband of one wife. I think that's pretty obvious. Well, it might be obvious to some, but to some of those Gentiles he was dealing with wasn't obvious at all. I've actually met people with three or four wives. I said, are you nuts? I mean, how can you live with one? You're going to have three or four? I... Don't offer meat to idols. And it's, We've always done this. That's my good luck. I've got to... And all these things then, until we have to start thinking and letting this mind be in us that was in Christ Jesus. So there's going to come conflict. When conflict comes, I would just give you a good rule of thumb because as the Bible talks about, your thoughts are not God's thoughts. His ways are not your ways. Allow God to change you. Well, I believe. I don't really care what you believe. Sincerity is not necessarily correct. There's going to be some that in the end times already happened, they're going to sincerely believe killing you is doing God a favor. They're not correct. Well, I've always believed. That belief I want to change. That is not the way I believe. That's not the way I see things. See, what else can we offer to the Lord except our life? Now, in in our Wednesday night meeting, some things came up that I thought were very good. But I I want to touch on them lest we become deceived. We're very easy to become deceived because we learn so much and our conscience and thoughts, beliefs are really formed tremendously by the society that we live in. There's so many things that we learn that you really didn't learn in school from the teacher. You learn by, my parents do this, they do this. We understand certain things. But all those things that you learn are not necessarily godly or God's view on things. See, now we have we have we've been given something, and I believe it's I believe this is from God. We are all born with some inalienable rights. God, from the very beginning, has given man the ability to choose. But be very careful. That doesn't mean every choice you make is correct. Adam and Eve, they walked with God. They were born. They had the best parents. They didn't have a traumatic experience. They didn't come from a dysfunctional family. They were allowed to eat as much chocolate as they wanted. They had no racial problems. And as 
they had the ability to choose, they chose to do evil. Now, just because you have the ability, a God-given ability to choose, number one doesn't mean you need to, every time you exercise it, it is correct. And the other thing is, I don't have to agree with your choice. That's another choice. As a matter of fact, God actually says in, in, in the, in, in, when, he's, when He's setting up the community of the church, He's actually saying, if some people choose to make this choice, you choose not to play with them. If some people choose to do this, you choose not to play with them. Your choices have consequences. Uh, see, we, now, we, we're starting to shrink back. Because we, like, we just have the freedom of choose. Yes, you do. And now that you chose that, Adam, you're in a lot of trouble. Eve, you don't know the meaning of childbirth. You're going to have some situations that come on. There is consequences. But what happens is it's very easy to elevate the purpose of choice. The purpose we have been given choice is not that we can, oh, we just choose anything we want. No, the, the purpose of being given a choice is that we can sacrifice our choice in the love of God. We choose to serve Him. We choose to lay down our life. I choose to change my conscience. I choose to have another view. Even though I would... I think this, I think that's a choice. But our choice would be to love Him is to serve Him. And to say, I choose to do the will of God. Okay? Now, freedom of choice is not God's all in all. Well, we have a freedom of choice. No. That is not God's purpose. That's just the way it's been created. If we end there, we think, oh, then, and we say, oh, I can just choose. No, we are free to choose. But God now says, this is the way you should choose. Now, unless my conscience is changed, I will never be able to understand that because I become the center. And if I have a choice, how many, if I have a choice to do this and I have a choice to do that, See, Jesus had a choice to go to the cross or not to go to the cross. And many times we have that same cross in our life, bearing the cross. And because we don't understand, our conscience hasn't been changed, the mind of Christ hasn't been completely formed. Again, the, the bottom line, we haven't allowed our minds, heart, conscience, however you want to say, be changed to understand that I should practice the Word of God. So here comes this suffering or the cross comes up in my life. I have freedom of choice. I'm not going to choose that. I'm going to choose that. that that's a whole lot better. Wonder which one would be better? To become king as the son of God or go to the cross? Well, it's a set-up question because you kind of know the answer. But for you, what would you choose? I'm going, I'm king. What Wait a minute. But that's not what Jesus chose. Communion, Jesus, that's Jesus? No, that can't be Jesus. That, Lord, my mind needs to be changed. What do you mean go? Now that I'm saved, praise God, I'm a Pharisee, a Pharisee. I'd like you to go to the Gentiles, Paul. And I'll show you what great things... Well, no, see, I'm... I'm see, he could actually, actually go on to live a fairly good life. Opening up some good, you know, rabbinical schools and, you know, G Jews for Jesus and some nice things, but actually miss the will of God. And I believe we need to be people that, for lack of a better word, because I don't think we're really deep people. I don't think we're really deep at all. But there's got to be a depth in us in the Spirit that recognizes the Spirit of God moving above all these, well, that seems like a good decision. I think I'll do that. And we elevate self-centered choice or thankfulness, self-centered, thankfully being self-centered rather than, oh, 
wait a minute, that's what God has for me. That's what needs to take place. And the way God seems to work in this, the Bible talks about God giving people a vision. The Bible says in Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people perish. They cast off restraint. The enemy wants to come against the revelation and the vision in any, pre- in any way so that the restraint... Now, what is the reason for restraint? This is what, this is what I want to look at. The vision is given. But the, vi- the vision... Now, again, we talked about God doesn't, have, God doesn't sacrifice. God's not tempted. God's not tried. So when God speaks, it is. When he said, Abraham, you're the father of many nations, God wasn't w- worried how that was... You know, you know what? A oh, hundred years. Oh, wonderful. He said, you are. Not will be. You are. It was a done thing. When he said, let there be light, there was light. God is not... In this, he doesn't have to sacrifice. He doesn't suffer because he is God because he's not tempted. He is love. But we, however, because we have this body and because of the sin that now has permeated this body, we have a battle going on. And so when we hear the word of God, God's truth is truth, but it is not yet experientially worked out to reality in my life yet. You understand that? So here we have the vision, but sometimes my life does not seem to grab that vision for many years, or maybe ever, depending on how I walk. Abraham is given a vision. You are the father of many nations. That's a true vision. That is the word of God spoken. Now that vision is going to then have to work in me a restraint. Abraham, you are the father of many nations. I want you now to go walk in the desert and do what I ask you to do. Now we think, what is the correlation between those? So God gives you the word of God or a vision Now allow him to form you to the person you need to be that that vision would be fulfilled in your life. See, and what happens is the enemy wants to come and rob that vision. Oh man, there's just no vision. And pretty soon you're not allowing, again, God to work in your life. See, even even after it would seem like that vision was fulfilled with uh, Isaac, Abraham's conscience would have to then be changed. Uh, God would say, Abraham, offer your son. And he would have to go through this. Well, God would never let me. And he, would, and he trusted God more than his conscience, more than his set of values, insomuch that that vision that God had given him and him walking before that as best as he could ruled his life to where a vision that was true and had always been true from eternity past, actually then, as it's forming in him, the nature and personality that God wants comes to pass, and the vision becomes a re- living reality that changes his life. See, not like, well, yeah, I believe that, but pretty much I go here and I go... See, Lot had that same vision. Lot understood that he, who Abraham was. He was a father of many years. God, God had blessed him. But at some point, he chose to leave that vision for... Man, what did he leave it for? That looks like a better valley over there. I think I can make more money. Self-centered living. I don't want to sit. And he left that, and when he left that, the vision that God had intended to work in him stopped working, and something else began to work in him. Abraham looked to take the road that was 
the loser road or the suffering road, and it worked for good. These are decisions that we may say, Lord, I need to practice your word. That's what I need to do. Now, there's going to come times that, but I don't believe that. See, I've always, my belief system needs to change on every area. Now, so have that vision, and then allow, be those people that you allow God to tumble you into the, make the, form you the personality that that vision can take place in you, just like the Lord Jesus Christ. He learned obedience through the things that he suffered. After he became, after he suffered, he became the heir of all. He became the author of eternal salvation. There was something that Jesus... See, Jesus could not, as a son of God, as God cannot be tempted, Jesus was never tempted as the Holy Spirit or as God, but he was tempted as the son of man. All the temptations that came to him were what? Natural things. Turn these stones into bread. Jump off this. Do this. Let me make you king. Don't go to the cross. He, ha- he overcame not only as the Son of God, but as the Son of Man. And we then, and it says that he was tempted in all points like as we, we too need to say, you know, I need to let that mind work in me. Now there's going to come, there's going to come some times where I just don't understand that. I've always believed that God was in the trees and it was like this, and I don't understand. We, 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 we deal with stupid things like that. See, like, I don't. How many people really believe that God needs your tithes? 10%. Well, no, you see, I think God, I don't think God needs your 10%. He says, as a matter of fact, he makes it very clear talking to Job. He said, if I was hungry, you think I'd ask you? I'd make, you know, if I own the golden cattle, those things aren't for you. They're not for him. They're for you. Oh, that's the way God thinks. Now, see, again, and I, I, you, I don't know how, what you battle with. But see, it's like, oh, well, I'm not in organized religion. See, I like to find God in, in the woods. And, you know, God doesn't need my money or anything like that. You know, that all sounds very good, except for one thing. That's not what this book teaches. So I come to God, and immediately, wham, I have a choice to make. Well, you know, I think I'll serve Jesus, but I, that, that, that's not good. I think I'll serve Jesus, but I know that's just juice and bread. I think I, I'm going to serve Jesus, but the, the organized church, that's of man. Well, no, it's not. There's one person who organized the church. As a matter of fact, it was birthed through the, his piercing of his side. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. This? Yes, that's God's idea, not my idea. Now, I have to change in order to grasp hold of that because there's some things that come against that. I think there's some things that came against the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, like people asking them, Mom, go ask him if we can sit on your right hand or your left. I mean, these are the disciples. These are the ones that he's going to send into all the world. He says, oh, you bunch of babies, what are you doing? I'm not going to talk about it. And they kept fighting amongst it. He had a vision. And that vision then would apprehend him. That's what Paul talks about. Let us apprehend that which we've been apprehended of Christ. You have been apprehended by a heavenly calling, but yet you're not heavenly people. Christ in you is, then that vision then is meant to then hold, hold you along the way, just like that vision was given to Joseph. And for years, that he sold into slavery. And then I think, who is saying, was you saying it today? How many people just feel like giving up? Joseph, then, you know, find himself in Potiphar's house. Then he starts doing the right thing and God's blessing him. Now, if you, God's blessing you. Aren't you waiting for the... 
You know how many? I know. I, I, I'm just guessing. I, 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 I hate to lose money, so I don't, I don't gamble. But I mean, if I gambled, I would expect God to give me sevens every time I pull the machine, especially if I was good that week. And so here, Joseph is doing good. He's living in, and he's, you know, and what happens? Wham! He stands up for righteousness. How many people have ever stood up for righteousness and then get kicked in the teeth for it? And how many people feel bad about that? How many people feel that's unjust? Do you know what the Bible says about that? It says, rather, you should glory in that. He says, if you suffer for doing bad, you're, you're, you, you deserve it. But blessed, I said somebody say blessed. Some, blessed are they that suffer when you did right. My conscience needs to be changed because I don't like that. I did good because I'm a man under the law. When you do good, you expect to be rewarded for it. That's not right thinking. That's legalism, which means you're still sold under sin. God needs to go. Jesus did all manner of good and healed the sick and ended up, at least from our eyes, stricken, smitten of God, and we despised Him, but He fulfilled God's purpose. His conscience, His life, His vision, His heart was changed. But see, because we have a body that's still living under the law, we did good, we expect to be. Joseph should have been that God is not, I know this may come as a surprise to some, God is really not interested in your moral scale. He's not really interested in making you happy or fulfilling all your dreams. You think, well, how could that be? If it was, just would any of you be here? You'd all be riding around in the Rolls Royce, the Learjet, and all kinds of stuff. God is interested in His purpose because that He knows that when that is fulfilled, all unrighteousness will be dealt with and He will be all in all. There is a purpose far greater than what your mind is understanding. Allow that Word to work in you to where you are changed. You say, you know, I used to think like this. I don't, I, I don't, I don't receive that anymore. Don't receive that anymore. I've got to be changed. Paul talking to the Corinthian church says you are my crown and a joy you're what you're the jewel you're what I'm living for these were Gentiles amongst Gentiles they were still having temple prostitutes going on they were getting drunk at the communion and as a Pharisee he doesn't have to put up with stuff like how many people just just don't need to put up with what God's doing in your life is that can I see a show of hands besides mine I'll put up three if I had them I just you know I, I how many people deserve better than what you're getting well, Scott said it. We'd, we'd all be in hell. I think we need to say, Lord, change me because I'm still not yet like you. Now, have the battle. Be angry sometimes, but don't sin. Let the vision keep saying, oh, yeah, father of many nations, and look at old Sarah. She's not getting any better. Never able to give me kids. I don't want to. Well, you know what he did next day? Let's pitch up our tent. God said, walk in the desert. How is walking in the desert going to do it? I don't understand, but it is what God has determined. And he was 99 years old. And even back then, that's old. And God comes and says, next year you'll have a baby. He laughed. Was it Sarah that laughed? Was it him? Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever laughed at God? People have yelled at God. Well, probably better to laugh, but I don't know. Our lives, our um, conscience has to be changed. 
and, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to move on from here. But I, again, this week has been somewhat uh, interesting for me because I've been meditating on kind of having a walk with the Lord, kind of like on, you know, God just seems to be a very funny person. I don't, I don't understand exactly what he's doing. And by nature, by, by the sin nature in me, for years I, I oppressed it and didn't, I thought I had been a very good person. Uh, but by nature, I'm a very angry, emotional person. Never wanted to admit that. Uh, like I said, for years studied yoga and was very, very good at everything. Like I said, you could smack me and kick me around. It wouldn't be fine. And then God said, you know, I'm not really interested in you looking like or acting like the Mahatma. I have a greater purpose. See, and that... Now, you might think that's funny, but some of you have some purposes God is not interested at all, and they're actually keeping you from actually serving Him. And so God would have to take me through these whole things to where, you know, I really don't, I look in the mirror, I really really don't like myself, except for what, you know, I I have to read the bold confession today. This is a day the Lord has made, and you're working in me. It's your righteousness. But left to myself, man, I don't. So the the other day I was watching something, and driving has always been kind of a, a sore point with me, except that like in Turkey. I enjoy driving in Turkey because do you know what a red light means? It's a suggestion. <laughs> the, the, the white line in the road is what you kind of aim at as you go down till another car comes over. And it's, you know, you, you, you're just free. So I, I enjoy that. And then if you got in a wreck, it's ah, be a shade deal. No problem, you know, we'll just take care of it. <laughs> but I was watching and I was driving somewhere, and I saw somebody. He, he must have been in a hurry. I don't know. I, 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 didn't, I didn't feel bad for him because I felt, I said, oh, I know that guy. He made a gesture. I mean, not like a cursing gesture or anything, but just kind of like, man, you know, get out of my way. I want to get there. And I said, oh, I know that person. And I began to think of why do we get that way? Why do we become angry, impatient, or actually, now, please be careful. Sometimes your impatience, and I know from, can be clothed in patience that's not real. Okay? See, God is not interested in you becoming a showpiece. Oh, look at Victor. He is so nice. Not interested in that. He's interested in fulfilling his purpose. So many times we're trying to like polish it. God said, not interested in that. I want you to come to me. And I began to think, you know why we get so upset about things? Because it's all about control. You want to control. How many people would just like a control over just one part of your life? Have you ever just said that? Can I? And you know what's even worse? The older you get, the less control you have. And I've been noticing that then the world doesn't like it. And so they keep making more and more products and trying to influence Get control over this. You can control your hair. You can control your skin. You can control this. You can control that. You can control your blood pressure. Control, control. And and we're running after something God is not interested in any way, shape, or form. But many times, the reason that we are fighting with one another, I think Pat read this out of James on Wednesday. Why are there wars and rumors of wars? Why is there contention? Why is there bickering? Of course you want control. You just want that... I mean, there's another guy driving. I was just driving down the road, wasn't doing anything wrong. But that guy was upset. wasn't really upset at me. He just was, he wanted to be out in traffic. He had to be somewhere. He wanted control over some area. And what God wants us to do is relinquish all control. 
That's why we would be able to give thanks in everything. That's why we'd be able to thank Him in everything. That's why we'd be able to say, Lord, take my life and make it what you will. And we allow God to work in us. But we like to have control. We like to have control over where we go to church, where we, who we marry, how we marry. We like control over our job. And this is common in, this is common in, 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 in the church. We're actually taught those things. Where Jesus didn't, he said, my father has a plan for me. This is what I will do. Oh, I mean, it's not all about getting the best job you possibly get? No. I think Jesus could have had a better job. I think Paul could have had a better job. I think Noah could have had a better job. I think, no, it's about serving God. Lord, I give you control of my, my, my life, which would be my thoughts, my judgments, my values, and where my conscience goes. There are certain things that I actually have to practice that go against my old conscience. That hasn't... Abraham, keep walking. Joseph, keep practicing. Peter, don't do that. Oh, okay. Now, if that's not understood, then the Bible just becomes like like a book of do's and don'ts. Okay, that counts, but I really don't have... No, I need to attain. The Bible says attain unto that. I need to love that. Okay, that, now that's just an outline because I think in the future we'll, we'll delve more into that, but I needed to speak that at least for clarification in my own mind. Okay. Let's turn our Bibles now to Proverbs and we'll try to finish. Oh, we got, we'll have to do that. Not that I lose anymore. <clears throat> but again, if you don't understand that, then what you're going to hear is a teaching. And most of us have our little checkbooks. Okay, I agree with Victor on that. I'll do that. No, I don't agree with him. I won't. What is that? It's control. You're going to have to get mad. You're going to have to... Why is it that? See? And if the conscience is not changed, you're going to find that there's... Oh, that's the one. I, Acts. Let's turn to Book of Acts. That's the one. That's the one. Acts 24. Acts 24. I believe when my conscience, for lack of a better word, my conscience is not fundamentally changed, then what comes up amongst us is contention and bickering and fighting because I feel I have something then to defend. See, what did Paul do before he was changed? He was defending his faith. He was killing Christians, persecuting Christians because of his belief. But when he comes to the Lord, something fundamentally changes and ultimately continually on a deeper level changes him to where in Acts chapter 24 it says, I, in, I herein do exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense towards God and man. See, I, my life now is living that my conscience is in line with God's conscience. I, my life now is I'm pressing towards having God be the ruler of my conscience. And when that happens, there's nothing there to defend. There's nothing there to, to pursue. 
Now, when Jesus was speaking, now that doesn't always mean you're going to get along with everybody. We are not here, again, this is another area where society is moving in on us and forming conscience values in you, that we are here to get along with everybody. But Jesus was also a man who grew in stature with God, and his conscience was clean before God, and he would get up and speak the truth, and it says in one place that the 5,000, when they heard the truth of what Jesus was speaking, what happened to them? They were offended. What was offended in them? Their moral fiber, their conscience said, no, I choose not to believe that. And they became the moral guideline of their life rather than God. God at some point may seem cruel and immoral to you. He might actually say, rise, slay and eat, when I've been taught never to do that. He might say, but I've always taught to be independent. I've always wanted to. I have my values. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. I need to... Foolishness. Jesus had the right to call down 12 legions of angels. He had that right. And do you know what he did with that? He thought that right was nothing to be held on to compared to fulfilling God's purpose. Let that mind work in you. That we strive to have a good conscience toward God. No offense. Okay, turn our Bibles now to Proverbs chapter 7. We'll finish this up. I think we've got time. Talking about wisdom. Ultimately talking about practicing God's Word and making those choices. Lord, I've been given a choice. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve were given a choice that tree. They were free to choose to eat from that. Like I said, there wasn't barbed wire around it. It wasn't, you know, in gloom or doom. Right in the middle of the garden. There it is. They were given a choice. And I believe God is asking for us to give back that choice, which means love. I choose to think like you. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Well, though, did he have a free choice? Yes, he did. And you know what he thought about that free choice? God, that's yours. I think, that, now see, that's like but you, now you start talking like that, you know what they're going to think? You're a nut. You should just do what you want. I mean, from the age of three years old, oh, you're, you've got to do what you want to do, find what you want to do. Man, you've got to be your own. You know, if it's in your heart to do it, go do it. Well, the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. If I did everything that was in my heart, Jesus would have to come and die for me again. That's why I've got people doing all kinds of crazy things. I believe in my heart of heart. It's right. Well, you're still wrong. Your conscience, you became God. Paul thought he was doing that which was right. You're wrong. Thank you, Lord. Then I'm wrong. Now, that's not an easy thing to come to. Like I said, sometimes you just don't want them. Okay, but you're... And vision given as I obey what God brings into my life to bring that vision to pass in my life, then the vision is fulfilled. But many times we won't see that vision actually become a reality in our life for quite a while. And you know then what it says? Oh, just, just give up the vision. Without a vision, the people cast off restraint. And that restraint means, I don't have to do that. I do what I want. I feel like I go here, I go there. I live in California, Texas. What? No, I don't want to do that. This is where God has me. This is what where God has me. I mean, could you imagine if you had... Um, I mean, Jesus was God. Why didn't he just invent the airplane? I mean, could you imagine right then and there? I know this sounds weird, 
But does anybody else kind of think like this from time to time? If you had just the power to do something, wouldn't you? Lord, you've been giving me the power to love you. That's what I need to do. <clears throat> now, talking about the wisdom is crying out. Just read these and then we'll move on in verse 14. Counsel is mine, sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. 33. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Most of the time we like to show off our wisdom or our smarty pantsness by how? Refusing things. No, I don't receive that because I'm smarter than you. No, I don't like that because I know better than you. And most of the time that's why we don't come to the Lord. The reason I, I heard the gospel many times. You know why I didn't come to the Lord? I had a better idea. I had something that I liked better. I thought I had this. And many times we don't receive our parents because why? Well, I don't see it that Many times we don't receive our teachers, the instruction in the church. Why? Because you're Mrs. Snotty Pants or Mr. Smarty Pants. And God's saying, then you're, you're foolish. The Bible actually says the man that you know, doesn't hear instruction is a fool. But that goes against everything. I, I've always been, I've been taught to be an independent man. Left home when I was 17, lived on the street. Did Any idea that came into my head, I did it. I was, man, I was there. No one told me what to do. Well, son, would you like to come with me? Sure. You're going to let me do whatever I want? No. Well, yes, you're, you're, you're free to do whatever you want. But would you like to walk with me? Well, we don't do that. But I like to do that. Well, then you're, you're free to choose. Oh, let me take my yoke. Not take my little defect, uh, silk string on you that no one will notice and you will hardly know I'm there I know Jesus is there every day I know the Holy Spirit is there every day now when I lived in sin the Bible says I was free from righteousness I had no idea who God was I was living wow eat drink and be merry Paul said wow I just great then now Jesus came into my life I wouldn't do that if I was you but I want to do it Lord let me be changed so here, here comes the, the word of God, and it's going, hear instruction and be wise. Now, how many, people ha- how many people here have a mind? Does anybody have a mind? The mind is never still. So I encourage you as you're hearing this word, be aware of what your mind is saying. Most of the time I, I get my, what the word is? Huh? No, no, no. Kind of like a message from the Lord from the negative message of my brain. Kind of here comes something, and then my brain reacts like this. I realize that's not correct. Then I kind of say, oh, what is God then saying? Okay, how many of you have ever gone through a stop sign and didn't know it? The sirens let you know it. It's kind of like that. One of these sirens. Oh, stop sign. See, many times I don't think we discern. We just kind of, oh, well, he's preaching. I heard this. Oh, that must be what it is. No, many times it's like, let me go back. Oh. That was a stop sign. Oh, that was a pedestrian I hit. That was something like that. And so listen to your mind. Because now see, hear instruction and be wise. How many people kind of heard a rebuke or a rebut to that in your brain? Well, I'll do that if if I agree with it. I'll do that if it makes sense. I'll do that if it's what I believe. That's not what it says. How many people now hearing even more? Well, no one can look. Jesus did that. 
And we've gone over this over and over again, even last week. Jesus went for three days without telling his folks, preaching in the temple. His parents, good thing there wasn't social services back then. They would have been taken away. Didn't know his kid was gone for three days. They find him. They say, what are you doing? Jesus, as the Son of God, we know not living in rebellion or in sin, said, shouldn't I be doing the will of God? And what does his mother and dad say? You get home. And you're going to stay there till we let you go. And, it's, and the Bible makes that clear. And, for, and he was subject to his parents. But how many people have rebelled against God doing God's work? Oh, how repugnant. Jesus could say, well, who do you think you are, Mary? Who do you think you are? I'm going to... No, no, no. And it seemed that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense to you, but you're not God. Oh, okay, got a vision, and I'm going to... This is where God... Like I said, pray for the children. The children have been placed in your care. How many people have wanted to be born in another family? I wanted to be born in another time. I didn't want to be born at all. I, you know, and, but this is where God said, this is where I put you. And so it seemed right. Now, when we say, man, I wish I wasn't in this family, what are we really saying? God made a mistake. He doesn't know what he's doing. I go, no, there's a vision. Let this work in you. There's some things that God is going to. Why did, in all time, why was Jesus born to Mary and Joseph? There was a reason. Why let these things, see, there needs to be developed in me an absolute trust in God even though when Pilate is standing up there saying, don't you know I can take your life? Jesus would say, no, you don't understand. You don't have any power at all. It's my Father that's doing this. Don't under- Lord, help me to understand that. This is where counsel then will come into us if we give heed to it. Let's, okay. Chapter 11, chapter 11, Proverbs. I want us to be able to hear wisdom, hear instruction, and let that change my conscience on certain things. Hebrews 11, uh, Proverbs 11, verse 14. Where no counsel is, people fail. But in a multitude of counsel, there is safety. Well, what is that saying? You should get a lot of counsel. You should be immersed in counsel. You should be hearing instruction. You should be hearing, not, well, I just make my own decisions and I think I can do, no, you will fail. Why is the church failing? Well, maybe, oh, well, I need to do that. Okay, let me, let me, let me partake of that. 12.15. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. We have a church full of fools. The church is full of fools. Why? Be- not, well, because we don't practice his word. The, the way of the fool, well, I think that's right, and I don't care what you say. Well, I just don't see it. Like I said, I think we need to start selling T-shirts that has an arrow on it pointing up to the person's head that says, Fool. Until I, sell, until I say, oh, wait a minute. I have some... Have anybody here any ideas, opinions, things you'd like to do? That's very good. You know what you should do to Submit them to counsel. Now, submitting to counsel sometimes is like this. Again, if we don't understand the heart of like what I was saying before, we actually go through the motions. Uh, I want to do this, so let me submit it to counsel. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, I still believe I'm going to do that. See, not really hearing, oh, Lord, let me have some instruction. See, Jesus submitted to counsel from his mother and father. You come home now. And then, last night, 
who was at the, at the wedding. The guy read a good scripture. Jesus actually did his first miracle because his mother was just bothering him. Go, go, turn, go make some wine. Jesus said, it's not my time. I don't want to do that. And he did it. His first miracle. This is the Son of God. How much? Oh, they just bought. They, how many people? Have been, how many people like like you're just forced to be here this morning? Your mom and dad forced you to be at church. You just well, some of that is true in one sense, but it's not necessarily bad. Sometimes you should be, if that's the right word, forced. You know, if the children were not forced at some not forced, instructed, I don't know in, in, what the right word is, they'd all be running around here naked. Children don't instinctively start wearing clothes. They have to be taught. Then, they start, then you start wearing dresses for the little girls, and it's a constant thing. You need to sit like a lady. Don't pull your dress down. Don't let that. Don't let this. You don't sit like... Wouldn't it be nice just let them be free? We are not going to be free like that in this world with a yoke because our minds need to be transformed. And I rebel against righteousness. I rebel against God's way. And that's what I'm saying. That rebellion should start to indicate, ding, 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 I'm moving against God. Instead of, oh, I think I know something. I don't have to listen to you. That's a real good attitude. That's a real good attitude. Jesus never talked like that. Paul never instructed me talked like that. We are not to act like that. Even if you are right. And most of the time we act foolish because we think we're right. Uh, Proverbs 12. So we know what the fool does. He thinks everything he does is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkens to counsel is wise. That means he hearkens to it. He doesn't just get it and say, okay, thank you, I did my thing, thank you, not going to do it. Think about doing this. Okay, thank you. I didn't see that. Oh, I appreciate that. Oh, okay, very good. I like to do that. See, there are things that I have been instructed. Like we'll talk about it in Abel. Abel yet being dead. Abel yet being dead still speaks to us. There are things that I have been counseled to do, even though the people that have counseled me have died, that continue to instruct me. There is, this, is, this is a hard one. I know this is tough, and we, we laugh at it. Don't spend more money than what you have. How many people? That's, that's easy. But we, in the church, in our, how many people are in debt? Why? Not because that's a wrong principle, because something came up and said, I just want to do it. I just want to feel I just want some control. I deserve. I want to. No. And then my, my wife kind of gets on me from time to time. I'm actually cheaper than I need to be. You know, a matter of, you know, you know the, our arrangement. I'm not going to get done tonight. The, our arrangement in our, our house is so we put solar on our house. This is all very spiritual. We put solar on our house, and, and so Pat and Sally now moved into the house above, and, and one of the stipulations is they, they pay the electric bill. Now, see, a normal person would go, Yee-haw! <laughs> I've given them a good deal, and man, I just cranked that air conditioning down to 68. Don't do that. My wife comes in and says, You know, it's 85 in here, hon. Can't we turn the air conditioning down? I said, okay, 84. Now, why is that? Well, it's, again, there's a principle that should be driving you. Saying, wait a minute, 
I want to be looking out for something. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying, I don't consciously go around saying I'm like that. But there's, at some point, the conscience is so chained that we start thinking in a different way. And I want us to start not, wait, wait a minute. I'm hearing instruction. This is what a wise man says, oh, then I will bring my thought to this council and let that work in me. See, there's a vision. Council may not make sense right now, but then as you let that work, as it did in Joseph, as in Abraham, in the Lord Jesus Christ, and in Paul, the vision, which seems ridiculous sometimes, seems impossible, seems un... As you start to give place to that, your life is changed, and the vision overtakes you. But most of the time, in, in our lives as Christians in the church, the vision is well over here, but there is no correlation to practical life and vision. Oh yeah, we believe in that, but here my life... We live our life as we see fit, and my, my conscience is not ever changed to where I don't view things like that. I view them like this. These are priority to me. Now, we're going to continue on that, on the idea of counsel. It's something that should be... Again, this is what God is saying. See, I mean, I, I told you before, I, I didn't counsel with people before I was saved. Didn't have, didn't have any friends to counsel. I just went days without even talking. Didn't want to talk to anybody. Counsel. I don't do that. I know, son, but I do. All right. Let me try that. And you know what? A lot of the counsel I get, I don't like. I don't want to... Oh, years later, as Joseph sitting on the throne, he says, I see it all now, but anywhere along the line, he would have left that vision and lived his own life, never would have seen that vision take place. His conscience in life had to be changed by the vision and then adhering to that. Amen? Amen. All right, Lord Jesus. I ask your blessing on this word and your time. Produce your fruit and your purpose in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.